Well, hello. Uh, today I am by myself. Um, Mark is busy, uh, but he will be back soon. I know he will. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, so far working with Mark and um, on this podcast. It's uh, a nice way to uh, broaden my horizons as an artist and um, uh, living in northern Ontario, we don't usually get the opportunity to meet um, a lot of artists. So, uh, but this term, um, it's been really good in that sense because um, I got the opportunity to meet with Sean Surface and uh, Dwayne Linklater and just recently uh, Arian Oxtra uh, came by. He has uh, an exhibit uh, at 180 Projects. It is uh, an art gallery that my professor Andrea Pinero is um, hosting. She she uh, actually has created this space inside her studio. Um, she bought this huge building uh, and she's been slowly uh, organizing it so that um, we can have students have shows there and many events happen in her space uh, so she's been working really hard at it I was very pleased and um, happy to meet Ariane because his style is something that I have no idea how someone comes up with these ideas it's contemporary contemporary art um, and its projection he works with the idea of projected imagery um, and it's a little bit difficult to explain because uh, within the idea of a projection uh you think maybe light onto a screen surface, um, maybe a wall with a light on it. That's what I think as projection, but he has all kinds of other ways to, to um, express that. So it's been uh, very informative and educational to meet him and to speak with him so thanks for listening okay here here we are there we are hello hello <laughs> i'm here with arian hoxtra yes yes nice to meet you uh it's been nice meeting you as well um, you're here from <clears throat> Toronto? Yeah, I'm currently based in Toronto, mm -hmm. originally from Edmonton. Yes. Yeah. And you have a new exhibit called Up in the Clouds? It's called Above the Clouds. Above the Clouds. Yeah. It, 
Yes, I do. Uh, so this is being shown at uh, 180 Projects in Sault Ste. Marie, which is a space, a project. I mean, I've considered it to be a space uh, where I could sort of test out some ideas as a, a project space or an experimental space. It's run by an old friend of mine, Andrea Pinero, uh, and we sort of had a long-standing... Um, agreement that at some point I might come and do something here and so earlier in the maybe at the end of 2014 uh, I was asked to be a part of a show at a gallery in Toronto called Gallery 44 which uh, is a photo an an artist run centre that's focused on photography Uh, and while I was developing work for that exhibition uh, two works in particular, both of which are included in, in Above the Clouds. Uh, the research that was fueling that started leading to some other works as well that I wanted to test out, wanted to think about, uh, or wanted to have a sort of exhibition space that I could test out these objects in relation to one another. Uh, usually, so the work that I was doing was uh, based on a particular historical event, the Seattle World's Fair of 1962, and typically, I sort of have a research-based practice. So tip, it'll often begin with archival research, uh, and though that research leads me to... Uh, uh, ends up being manifest in objects or videos or drawings, but usually I try to sort of spread that research over... Um, try to scatter it sort of broadly across an exhibition rather than sort of investing or imbuing too much of that information in uh, a specific object so that that object becomes didactic. So that object, um, like I didn't want to tell the whole story of the World's Fair in one object or the way I was thinking about it. or uh, So that thinking is sort of scattered throughout. There's sort of four different bodies of work within this exhibition and each one sort of uh, is meant to play off of one another and sort of hint at um, uh, sort of a a central thematic around the exhibition Uh, and so together they sort of create this um, polyphonic or multiple voiced uh, exhibition of the World Fair, the mm-hmm. World's Fair in, in your research um, really captivated you and like uh, sparked sure. the because you have you have these sheets that you've printed liquid light on and you have these photographic umbrella that mm-hmm. you've printed uh, planets mm-hmm. on, and then you have this cutout of uh, of John Glenn, I think. That is right. Said, that is his name. Yeah. With yeah. an iPad, and then you have, and finally you have a little like sort of clipped-on uh, newsprint with two small images. So you have a variety of 
of shapes and materials and forms that don't at first glance have much in common mm -hmm. except for the sciency kind of mm -hmm. feel to it right. maybe or the dot structure well I don't know if there's a particular formal element that links the four together maybe um, each of them though maybe first I'll talk about the attraction to the World's Fair and then I'll talk mm -hmm. about the uh, particular um materials that I sort of thought about these through. Mm -hmm. uh, an exhibition that I'd done previously uh, called Choreography for Screen, uh, which I did at Mercer Union in Toronto in 2014. Uh, I, while I was researching that, there was a particular quote. Uh, it was difficult finding sort of uh, academic or writing on dance and, and, and choreography specifically uh, but there's this one interview I found eventually I did find stuff but uh, one interview I found between uh, two choreographers and a philosopher named Paul Virilio who uh, and the, the quotation uh, was in reference to this idea or this it was really just a phrase, uh, which was la chute à vue, which uh, translates loosely to, to fall by eye. Mm -hmm. And basically it, it describes the, or it's a phrase used to describe the action of a skydiver uh, as they leap out of a plane and instead of relying on an altimeter or some sort of, um, they rely on their sight and the weight of their body uh, to determine at which point to pull the parachute. So with that, that was sort of a phrase that stuck in my mind, and uh, I was reading uh, the well, I was reading uh, Hito Sterl's essay uh, called "Free Fall: A Thought Experiment on Vertical Perspective," uh, in which she describes uh, a particular contemporary sense of groundlessness, uh, and her writing is. Uh, sort of takes up themes written about by Oliver Marshot in a strain of political thought he's described as post-foundational thought. So again, this sort of sense of ideological groundlessness that sort of uh, comes to a head uh, following World War II, where there's uh, sort of the ideas behind modernity have sort of led to what felt like progress led to the atrocities of World War II. So all of the ideology that people had been sort of subscribing to, now it seems like it's crumbling. So there's this foundation which society has sort of been building itself upon has crumbled beneath, and so there's a sense of groundlessness. Uh, and so I was thinking of... Immediately I had the... the or is attracted to the idea of the parachute in relation to this sense of groundlessness through that phrase and started thinking of parachute type shapes and ultimately arrived at the umbrella and into the photographer's umbrella so when I was first thinking about these works I uh, envisioned that they would be sort of tilted or directed uh, upright so they would sort of have this rain of parachutes 
Uh, they also look like um, satellites or something? Yes. Like yeah, yeah. And that's I, ultimately that's sort of the direction I ended up going with them. But uh, so within that, I was thinking about uh, events that occurred following World War II that were sort of still um, of, in, uh, promoting particular ideologies. Uh, and one that struck me in particular that uh, both really adheres to this sort of ideological projection was the World's Fairs, typically, which are uh, events structured around technological progress but also this one in Seattle uh, was occurring in 1962 and uh, that was a particular moment where uh, it was the year that John F. Kennedy gave a speech about wanting to send land a man on the moon uh, and also that comes at a moment uh, it comes in the same year as the Cuban Missile Crisis so I described this a little bit to you earlier, but uh, the sense that there's both this impulse to sort of uh, uh, emigrate from Earth through space travel, and at the same time there's this looming sense that we might blow the planet up. Uh, so both of these things I find sort of conspire to sort of material, in a really material way, think about a groundlessness beneath... Uh, our feet, uh, both ideologically and then the sense that there might be a physical foundation of the planet Earth that might no longer be what we're grounded to. Uh, so that was the attraction to the fair. A lot of the imagery at the that was sort of the temporal attraction to the fair that was occurring at this really specific moment. Uh, it was also dubbed the 21st Century Exposi uh, Exposition. So it was something that was sort of projecting what a future world might be like. There's a lot of space imagery, so there was already sort of in the ephemera around the fair, all of this sort of imagery that felt like a leaving Earth behind. And then, uh, and shooting out into space. Uh, and, my, and so to sort of approach your question about the materials, um, I... Typically, my practice is rooted in the, the formal and conceptual language of the moving image. So I sort of come from a background of looking at filmic projection. Uh, of particular interest to me is the relationship between light and dark and projection. And then even more particular is the relationship between the image and the interval in a film strip or the sort of flicker effect that occurs in a film where you have image followed by sort of this interval pause. So this back and forth between image and interval and the interval, the image is a fixed image on a film strip and the interval is sort of the, uh, or is the moment in the projection of film where the movement occurs. Oh, okay. So I've always, so there's this long... I thought maybe it was the black in between the images that you were talking about. It's, it, it, it is, in a sense. Um, but uh, the... Um, so I have this long-standing interest in 
projection, light projection, but then also using that as a metaphor to talk about ideological projection as well. Uh, and so within this exhibition, building on sort of those um, things that I spoke about, about the fair, uh, all of the apparatuses within sort of relate, uh, at least in some respect, to uh, sort of apparatuses used to either control or to shape light. So the cinefoil, which were the black uh, tin-type looking images that you mentioned. Oh, they are tins. It, it's aluminum, it's a foil, and it's called cinefoil, and it's used in film and uh, theater to, to sort of block light or to shape light. So you crinkle, crinkle it up and put it around a light fixture, and you can direct light in that way. So I used that as sort of a, a paper medium, and uh, on those are screened in liquid light, which is a material, it's a photoemulsion that uh, I've used in its sort of undeveloped form, so it is sort of continually absorbing light. In theory, it would be changing over time. So that, in conjunction with the cinephore, was an interesting relationship, but the images themselves are uh, images from the United States Science Pavilion that was at the 1962 World's Fair. Two of them are that, and that's early sort of mid-century space photography. Another image I've included, so those are sort of vertical, uh, or sorry, horizontally oriented, so the sort of landscape orientation. And then the other image is of Bobo, who is the star monkey from the Seattle Zoo. Uh, and his image is, his image is, is from, the, from a postcard uh, that was distributed during the fair. And that was meant to sort of attract viewers or visitors already in Seattle to the second attraction. And I was thinking about Bobo uh, as a, a nod to Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey, uh, which was being written around the same time. And so there was collective interest in thinking about outer space and traveling to outer space, but also this sort of terrestrial trajectory of primate through human uh, and, and being shot into outer space. At around the same time, this is also when chimpanzees are being launched into outer space. Mm-hmm. The other elements you mentioned are uh, a newspaper, which is clipped with um, they're sort of big orange clamps that are used in uh, cinema uh, and it's a rod that is something similar to what would be found on a C-stand or an extension arm so it's also sort of a, an apparatus used in cinema or in film production uh, and on it is uh, so the, with the clamps fix a uh, sort of folded newsprint uh, newspaper like object uh, upon which there's the image of a of this crashed uh, interceptor uh, f which is a, a plane that was launched or i thought it was a town it, like it, it it's actually well this plane crashes into this residential neighborhood in outside of Seattle during the opening ceremony of the world's fair it was part of the opening ceremonies itself uh, and so it actually spoke to this other concept of Paul Virilio's uh, which is the integral accident in which when you invent the plane you also invent the plane crash and so every technology also carries its own negativity uh, so this was like a very eerie sort of illustration of that concept 
where this fair that is sort of celebrating technological progress is also at the same time can uh, sort of creating the conditions under which the planet is increasingly uh, burdened by these sort of developments as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's this element of danger. Do you do you feel that um, this is the main um, sort of uh, feeling that comes out of of this work or of the um, you, you know I would say that this work maybe I mean look it is the colors are quite stark it does it's the lighting is quite strong here as well. It does sort of have a science fiction-y sort of quality to it, um, and it might fall more into sort of a, have that sense to it, which I wouldn't say is necessarily typical of my work. Uh, the, the sort of starkness and the black and white is, is very typical, but usually there will be an element that sort of opens the work out to uh, another or, or an alternative or a, a different potential. And in here I'm still trying to figure out where that happens. Because um, as, a, as a first-time viewer, yeah. I see uh, the kind of... the You're talking about the destructive aspect mm -hmm. of science and mm -hmm. the maybe transformative or mm -hmm. more positive mm -hmm. uh, aspect mm -hmm. of science, mm -hmm. of exploration. Yeah. So to me, I guess, I got more of the exploration part. Oh, okay. You know, well, that might be a good thing in. because I think it's better for exhibitions to open outward that way. I think it's... I. Uh, I am comfortable with, with the show sort of holding both of those views yeah. equally, where it's, it's both at the same time. That's right. But then, but you, I, then you continue looking if and we have to the others. It's true, but, but if collectively we sort of have to move toward a future. So if, mm -hmm. if we're just critiquing all the time, that only sort of sets us in the past to some respect. Mm -hmm. So if we want to move forward, I think we also have to offer things. So if what you've taken out is this maybe sense of exploration uh, that can be a positive thing. I think really, and, and as I get to talk through it a little bit more, uh, what I would like to sort of think through in this exhibition is, is this sort of thinking of the human removed from Earth. So either through this destructive impulse or this sort of jettisoning okay. of but thinking of and then through that thinking of the earth as an object that exists outside of just sort of an anthropocentric uh, view of itself and how that world with us being a part of it also fits into a cosmic whole or a yeah. larger system we, we came in at uh, the earth is 4.6 billion years it was here for a while like before yeah 100,000 years of humanity is yeah. like a, a dot in time. It's true, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, you're probably tired. <laughs> well, I'm happy to answer your questions. Thank, <laughs> Thank you for you asking so me. Much. I didn't mind at all, yeah.
I know that it's a little bit like podcasts are different. They're 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 not necessarily interviews. You know, they're yeah. like more like conversations. Yeah. And um, I I am so thankful because when when you're long gone, mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to it, yeah. and I learn so much from it. Well, you know, it's uh, it's very nice being asked questions about the work, first of all, but also even having the opportunity to talk about it out loud is a good way of sort of testing your own ideas against yourself and then and, and against whoever you're speaking to and also just thinking through things and having to vocalize them rather than just letting them sort of admix as loose thoughts in your head, sort mm-hmm. of having to structure them one after another is also sort of an important test sometimes as well. Do you find that... Um you uh, discover things uh, after you you put things together and then you let it sit for a while and then you come back and do you find that you have like Whoa! you know I don't have Whoa, look at this. I wouldn't say oh. that it's usually through the um, putting something away and coming back to it I find that actually I get much more from my work by either first making it, but it really comes through writing about the work a lot of the time. When I have, when I sit down and sort of start putting it, start putting some of these ideas to paper, much like our conversation, but in a little bit where I have a little more time to think about more some formal, of these things. Like when you have to Not, present it? Or? Well, sometimes in the form of right. a presentation, but just even writing it down. Um, for me, I think, through writing a lot, like a actually. journal, you keep a journal. And no, you put no. Your notes uh, it, and more for a presentation, or for a press release, or for oh, uh, yeah. an application, or for just describing my work to somebody. Okay. Um, but uh, but I do that regularly. Like I feel like I'm regularly writing about my work in some respect, um, and that's a real uh, avenue of discovery for me. Mm. So both prior to making it, after making it. Uh, and usually I find things about the work when I think about it in relation to either the body of work that comes before or after and finding links that where they were sort of separate projects. And then they'll always sort of have this link of talking through projection uh, and the moving image, but finding other links within that that sort of enrich in both Neat. I'm, I'm always kind of curious about how do you move from one project to the next. That's mm-hmm. something that uh, this year we've had two visiting artists and yeah. you three visiting artists. Sure, yeah. So I get to see their yeah. um, path, yeah. their journey, yeah. and it's, it's really interesting yeah. how... You know, uh, one idea travels mm-hmm. through yes. many shows. And I find that's uh, common for artists if they practice over a long period of time. I did, at one point, I did a very, uh, had the opportunity to do an interview with Hadley, two artists, a collaborative duo, Hadley and Maxwell. They were very generous in their interview, but a quote that stuck with me. Uh, 
and I was interviewing them as a grad student. So I think this had a little bit of like uh, encouraging a, a grad student uh, train of thought where they suggested that it was uh, uh, a quality to sort of follow your wonder and that rather than sort of editing out things that are interested that you're interested in because they don't sort of fit in the trajectory of what you're doing to follow them regardless and that over time those connections will sort of be revealed and it's something that I've sort of taken opportunities to do this year with a couple of smaller more sort of uh, smaller sort of one-off projects that sort of fall outside of what I would typically produce which is more in the vein of sort of a research-based or uh, production uh, and uh, actually I had the opportunity to do sort of like a overview presentation of the last two or three years of my work and those actually fit in uh, uh, I mean they would seem quite um, they would seem like outliers in relation to a couple earlier projects but with this newest work that I'm currently working on uh, they those four or five projects all fit together in a really sort of nice way so I mean the longer you work the more connections that it's that are able to be made between things as well that's pretty neat that's wonderful good thank you so much you're welcome thank you so much for your time <laughs>